0: You're listening to the Fearless Kitchen Podcast. And now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Good morning, Fearless listeners. And welcome to the Fearless Kitchen podcast brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Today uh, we are going to play an interview which I conducted ages ago with um, gorgeous Lauren Parsons who is a foodie, a wife and a mum. She's a speaker and an author. She absolutely is passionate around boosting health and happiness and she uh, has a program called Get Fit and Feel Fabulous. She is going to share... all about that and her fantastic book which is real food less fuss. She is currently living in Ottawa in Ontario, but I interviewed her here in Auckland before she went on that trip with her husband and her kids to settle there as an expat. And and I have followed her on Facebook and she is a really key and engaged member of our Fearless Kitchen private group on Facebook and we have been watching her from here in New Zealand as she has become a bit of a TV star there on local TV. So this is a really, really fantastic time for us to play this interview. She's been patiently waiting for us to put it on air and it is now the right moment. So she can share it across Canada. We will share Around New Zealand and around the world, and I hope that you enjoy my great chat here with Lauren Parsons on the Fearless Kitchen podcast.
1: I'll take what's good. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, ooh, what's good.
0: Lauren, welcome to the studio. We're here at Podcast New Zealand and it's so cool that you are in Auckland and able to come in. And I am so excited to be able to interview you because you have launched a book, which is amazing. And I had the opportunity to have a look through it over my breakfast. Nice. And even though I knew quite a lot about you from following you on social media, I actually I'm so thrilled I had a look at the book because it's quite different to actually what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. And it's fantastic. So what a great opportunity for you to jump on the podcast and tell everyone about it. Yeah, well,
1: thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here in your beautiful city, and yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, so you are a Kiwi chick, yes, but you have lived all over the world, a, bit, a little bit like me, because mm. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, you are, sadly, the same as me, a trailing spouse, yes. and we're following our husband's work, yes. but you um, have obviously done lots of things as well for yourself as you've travelled and made the most of all of those opportunities. So, yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and, and where
1: you've come and how you've ended up. Up sort of back in New Zealand. Okay, yeah, yeah. So my husband is in the New Zealand military, and it's been a real privilege. Actually, we've got to travel. We met in Palmerston North, my hometown, and we've then gone to Christchurch, gone over to Paris, Paris to Wodu, which was a bit of a change. Yep. So having our family there, then went from Wauru to Palmerston North, Canberra, most recently, uh, and then down to Wellington. And our next posting is going to be to Canada, to Ottawa. So very excited about that. Uh, so yeah, so I've yeah worked in health and wellbeing for the last sixteen years, and And I kind of got into that having been, as a child, actually growing up being very self-conscious, very shy, very bad at sport petrified of PE class, always the last one to be picked for sports teams um, and just really lacked confidence in myself. So to, to go from there, I then went over on a high school exchange to France for a year and lived in France and loved France, lived with an amazing host family and and actually I really loved the French food, uh, but I loved the French food so much that I put on a whole lot of weight and so six months into my exchange, I just I no longer fitted my clothes <laughs> and I was just miserable, my skin was terrible, I had this gorgeous, very very tall, amazing host mum and I just was comparing myself to her and feeling pretty miserable and then I started to notice that uh, everyone else around me, although eating the same sorts of foods as me, the same exact same food even at the canteen school lunch, the way that people were eating was completely different and uh, I started to adopt the French attitude to food and learn to eat mindfully and eat guilt free and I lost all the weight. And came back home feeling, yeah, better than ever, really. And then I went to university, and just like everyone else, I joined the gym just because everyone joins the gym. And I can remember still being quite intimidated physically and not being confident with myself and walking past the big auditorium or big gym hall where people were doing these exercises with these bars on their shoulders and sort of moving their hips down and standing up again. And I can remember literally thinking to myself, oh, I could never do that. And then one day someone invited me along to step a Roberts class, and long story short, I, I went along and I actually enjoyed it, even though I didn't quite get all the moves. And I kept going. And when they said, if you want to become an instructor, come and see us afterwards. And so I put my hand up. And before I knew it, I was teaching classes. And I had the rhythm. And I could do it. Uh, so it was quite a transformation, really. So I kind of often share that story because I think it really helps people understand that my background wasn't having it all sussed. I didn't have it all figured out. But if little old me, little old Lauren Parsons from Palmerston North, New Zealand, can go from being this shy a uh, girl who was really lacked confidence in herself, going from being a glutton and just someone who really wasn't confident physically to now helping people boost their health and well-being, having helped thousands of people, having the privilege to have taught at the New Zealand College of Fitness, teaching anatomy and physiology, nutrition, and being able to speak at the National Fitness Conference. If I can go and help people, you know, turn things around in that area for myself and share that with others, then, you know, wow, you, everyone that's listening today, wow, you can do so much. You mm-hmm. know? And it was great last night hearing one of the speakers, Joe talk about, you know, just believe in your dreams and go for them. and Yeah, so I guess I've worked in health and wellbeing since then, the last 16 years. Love it. Love inspiring and equipping people to boost their health and their happiness because I think they go hand in hand and yeah, and it's a real privilege to see people turn their lives around. Mm.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because I was exactly the same child at school. Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated PE. I would do anything to get out of Mm -hmm. PE for the same reason that I was always the last chosen and it's so demoralising to know okay. that no one wants you on their team because they know you're you're the weakest link mm-hmm. um, and you know I married the guy who was always the first chosen by the teachers to choose the team so um, you know I share my story and he just can't get his head around it because he was the other end yeah. of that um, and I don't think unless you have been in that position you can ever understand how that feels mm-hmm. you know for a child I mean yes. I would try to skip athletics days because yeah. I was always in that you know, in inverted commas, egg and spoon race. You know, whatever that kind of like. Oh, everyone has to be involved, so we'll find a race for them. Oh, that was, yeah. you know. So I, can I was the being same
1: sick on, you know, team sports days. Oh, of the totally. Days and, oh no, I can't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah so. totally. And people look at would look at you and I now because we're both, you know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm fit, but I'm I'm healthy, and confident. Um, yeah, and slim and not overweight and all those things. And I was like, oh really? Was that you? And I was, yeah, I was a chubby little. Underconfident when it came to that side of life. Mm. Um, yeah, primary school child and secondary school mm. child who. Yeah, tried to excel elsewhere because I certainly wasn't excelling at sport. Yeah, but it's
1: yeah. interesting because our past don't determine our future. We actually do. And, Absolutely. And what I love to share with people, is, because for years and years of working with people, I had so many people come to me, clients that have come along because they wanted to change something about themselves physically so that they feel better. And what I've learned or what I learned very early on is that we don't actually need to change anything physically. We don't need to lose a single gram of weight to feel better because that's about how we feel. Mm. And so I love sharing with people you know one of my key messages is that you are truly amazing just the way that you are that you're the perfect height you are the perfect age you have just the right skin tone you have just the right colored eyes that you actually are quite incredible your body is phenomenal it's amazing what it can do for mm. you and as you embrace it and you think wow you know this body has got me through a lot in my life. Um, And as you embrace that, you can actually go on a really positive journey of great health and enjoying your food and freeing yourself up from a whole lot of comparing and worry uh, and just, yeah... Yeah, enjoy life really. You know, three kids down the track, my body's not quite the same as it used to be 10 years ago, but I do love it because yeah, exactly. it's done so many amazing things for me. It's well, you've me had those world. children, yeah, yeah. and
0: you've had those children. We've had those children. It's amazing. Mm. Hey, back to France. I mean, obviously, mm. I've um, uh, in one of my previous podcast episodes, which I know you've listened to, you know, I spoke to um, Rebecca from France. She's mm. in France, she's American, and very similar story to you in the way of of watching the French people around her and how they eat Mm -hmm. and realising that, yeah, they're all about balance. And it's funny because I also went to France on on an exchange and I lived with a beautiful family as well in Mm Aix-en-Provence. And I also put on so much weight because they would pack me my school lunch if we were going on picnics and things and it would be like two baguettes, an entire wheel of free, five, you know, full-fat yogurts with fruit and it was... Unbelievable, And what I missed, I think, was I think on reflection they gave me that food to take to share with everyone. Yes. Yeah. But all of us with our host families were going along with. So we would just sit down and literally
1: gorge wow. ourselves on that stuff and yeah that is going to put on weight Mm. But it's interesting and I I love that interview that you did um, with Rebecca wasn't it? Yeah it was great just and it is incredible how they do train their kids to respect food, to Mm. love food, to love meal times you know and right from in the um, ekon matia now the kindergartens to to have the three year olds just sitting down around the table having their entree playing and and eating and and touching the food and and getting into understanding and enjoying the texture and flavour of carrot sticks and no peas and corn and cherry tomatoes and all those things, it just becomes normal. And so that's one of the key things that I recommend. And actually kind of how this the Real Food Less Fuss book kind of came about was because I was creating meal plans for my online Get Fit, Feel Fabulous program. And so I created these 12 weeks of meal plans and shopping lists and recipes. And in them I had a salad entree before dinner every night. And I just wanted to write a little explanation of why there's a salad entree. And, and no, that doesn't make it trickier. It actually makes life a whole lot easier because mm. I've got a 2 and a 5 and a 7-year-old and so you know life's busy in our house and at dinner time actually to start off with a salad entree having a salad first and just putting that on the table and finishing that off before you start your main course it actually makes it really easy at dinner time for families because it's just quick to whip up and you know the main meal can be cooking through so that's one thing that I do and I was writing this introduction on why we have a salad entree and how to make that really simple and do it in 60 seconds or less and then it sort of grew because I wanted to add a few tips from my time living in France I've got these 11 tips from you know principles on eating well um tips from the French and then I thought I'll just add a little bit about you know why to eat real food because people need to understand the why to be motivated to do it and and maybe I'll just add a little bit on time saving and money saving and, and have several nights <laughs> of cooking and create a library of meals and it just grew and grew and grew and suddenly I had 60,000 words and I thought oh no this actually needs to be this is a book. book I know so I was actually planning to write a different book around stack on exercise which I I'll do that sometime down the track. (laughs) But yeah, so Real Food Less Fast grew out of that. And so it's been the last two years of researching, writing the content, and then most recently this year, focusing on developing and testing and tweaking all the recipes and photographing them. And it's just, I've had an amazing team of people with me helping me to bring it together. So it's really exciting to literally have it it in my hand. Two days ago we launched it, so it's my new little baby. I know. Congratulations. It's amazing.
0: Mm. It's so informative and easy to read. And I mean, I... As soon as I start reading it it, it, it could be me writing it. I mean, your yeah. philosophy on everything is is so akin to my own. Um, and it is all about balance and just opening people's eyes to the fact that you don't need to be a master chef in your own home kitchen. Just keep it simple. Use fresh ingredients. And one ingredient on the plate is completely acceptable. Mm. You don't have to have five, six, seven, eight amazing things every time you put a salad together. Just keep yes. it really simple and enjoy it. And I love... Like I was looking at, you know, your simple things for salads. What I have done with the kids... And they will literally ask, oh, can you do those grilled zucchini? Because Mm. I've got the grill pan with the ridges. And if I just brush that with a bit of olive oil and grill off uh, zucchini slices on there with some sea salt, they just think that's the best. Like, they'll be begging for more. Are there more? Are there more? And it's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) They have just eaten, like, five zucchinis before they've sat down and eaten anything else. And it's really cool, isn't it, when Mm. that happens?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing in France. They often have very simple salads, just a single ingredient, like carrot salad or beetroot salad or creamy cucumber salad and you do, you kind of appreciate that flavour of that one key ingredient when it's on its own, like we have lots of mixed what I call chunky mixed salads and you know it's good to put in kid friendly things like apple and cube cheese and things, carrots and whatnot, but it's quite nice just having a single ingredient and it is so quick and simple yeah. I
0: know and yeah. that's what it's all about isn't it because people mm-hmm. are so busy and I think they get a little bit bombarded with uh, all the options yes. and bombarded possibly by you know reality TV and food shows and things and then they actually go almost into an overload panic Mm -hmm. I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing it properly or I should be doing more and actually forget it's just about the family Mm -hmm. and keeping it simple and and having fun as you said in your book you know it's about enjoying that period Mm -hmm. of time not being so stressed by the time you get on the food on the table everyone is in a hurry to eat to get on to the next thing Mm -hmm. but actually appreciating sitting down together and enjoying nice foods. yeah and I love that
1: that's what you know that your podcast is about family not just about food because i often talk about cook fast and eat slow and you know slowing down that's another reason why an entree is so great if you have an entree and then you may you just spend more time together with your loved ones or at the table or even if you're on your own you can still create a nice mindful time around eating and, and no matter how busy life is it is a really good thing to single task not to multitask eating with social media no. phone tv to single task it and just focus on a bit
0: of that time now—that's that's the only little thing. So this is my question to you because yes. I read that. I read your bit about single-tasking. I thought, "Oops, I don't definitely don't do that if I'm on my own." Mm-hmm. So if I'm on my own, I will take that opportunity. I guess what I do is I will put the food on the plate and that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I've got big bowls of stuff in front of me that I can keep picking at because that would be a disaster. <laughs> so I'll put on what I'm going to be happy to eat. But I will. That will be my opportunity at lunchtime mm-hmm. to sit and read a food magazine or, you know, flick through the paper that I don't normally have time. So, for me, it's like a luxury to eat and be able to read at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. I was like, oh, the single tasking, I kind oh. of get it. I hear what you're saying, but for me... The- even in a cafe like that is my kind of like my indulgence time to eat and read Mm. isn't it funny yeah
1: no well that's great I mean if that's your way of mindfully doing that I think the key thing around the food side for me and why I say single tasking is it's really just about eating mindfully so actually Mm. looking at your food thinking about the textures and the flavours of your food now some people will say chew 20 times but that just kind of sounds disgusting really (laughs) so rather than that I often you know encourage people just to savour the food and imagine that you're a master chef and you're doing that challenge where you've got to identify the 20 ingredients so you know, actually think about what are the herbs and spices you can taste. So you probably find, you probably innately do this, that as you're reading through the magazine, you're also focusing on the food. Just maybe be mindful the next time you do it and see how you find it because it's not necessarily you, you can't do anything else uh, but I, I, often people I know will sit at their desk um, or mm. watch TV or eat in the car or eat standing up or eat on the run and so it's just having what I call sort of helpful rules for yourself. Like a helpful rule for yourself might be I'm a person who always sits down to eat. So even Mm. if it's a snack, just pop it on a plate and sit down and just enjoy it. Because if you're sitting there reading a book and eating some chocolate, it's like you turn a few pages and you may not even register that you've had the chocolate and you sort of feel like you want some more. Mm. Whereas if you just focus on looking at it, tasting it, smelling it, enjoying it, savouring it, you're not sort of trying to inhale it as fast as you can. You're really just <laughs> slowing down mm. and really enjoying it. You feel a lot more satisfied from it. So, yeah. I think that, so I
0: think that um, slow speed is really important as well, isn't it, for children? Because what I find with the boys is they're so ravenous sometimes. And they eat really quickly because they're just so hungry after sport or they've come home from school late. And then they ask immediately... I'm still hungry. What else can you give me? Mm -hmm. And if I I could just keep feeding them and feeding them and feeding them, and I think in the end, they'd just say they've got a tummy ache, Mm -hmm. which would not be surprising. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is now I say, just wait, which I notice is one of your words as well. Just wait because dinner is actually coming. And often um, after school, I'll give them a snack that could be a portion of the dinner. So that Mm. entree is often almost their after-school snack. Mm, Then I'll say, just wait, because I am actually preparing dinner. And if you eat something else now, you're not going to feel like that. And I've put a lot of thought and effort into that. And they they'll kind of moan and groan for a bit and then just get on with their homework or whatever they're doing. And then they'll come and they'll eat the dinner happily. And their tummies take that time to register that they have actually put some food in there.
1: It does take 20 minutes for that satiety centre in the brain to register you've eaten. Mm. And this just reminds me of another thing that we often in New Zealand even say bon appétit, which we kind of just think means enjoy your meal. But actually bon appétit translates to have a good appetite. And so if you think about it, if you don't eat a whole lot prior to a meal and you build up your appetite you actually have hunger that's actually a really good thing so that when you sit down you enjoy that meal so much more because you're actually hungry and ready for it and so the French are really good at eating a meal to satisfy their appetite and they're not eating again not snacking mindlessly between meals but then eating well at the next meal because they've got that good appetite again so you know if you're already a little bit half full you sort of don't really enjoy your meal as much as when you've got your bon appétit
0: what has happened do you think I wonder in Australia and New Zealand and I don't know if it's the same elsewhere but it definitely is in Australia and New Zealand with us as parents and I mean my boys are older now so I do it less but I definitely did this when they were younger having an array of snacks in the car, you know, so that if I pick them up from one thing, it would be like, you know, they'd be like, I'm hungry. And then there's, you know, hand over the sliced apple, hand over the raisins, hand over the crackers, hand over the rice crackers. And it would be a continuous thing. And I wonder yeah I wonder where that's come from whether it's us trying to make sure they don't grizzle in the car so keep feeding them in hope mm-hmm. that they won't grizzle or just us getting into a really bad snacking habit as an adult like we all sort of snack and eat on the run and it has become you know prolific our society with uh, snack and fast and quick food and packaged food as our snacks so then it's just sort of become a mentality and so mm-hmm. then we as adults are giving it to our kids
1: yeah because yes. it is different it isn't is it from what you're saying when we because I went back for my, my host family my brother invited me over to be bridesmaid at his wedding which was amazing so we travelled over with my 18 month old and 3 year old at the time and it was a real lesson in uh, new parenting techniques because we went from yeah that mentality of being in New Zealand have breakfast couple of hours later have some morning tea couple of hours later have some lunch couple of hours later have afternoon tea have dinner at 5.30 we went to France where the routine is breakfast nothing until lunchtime, and then quite a complex meal at lunchtime, as in several courses which our kids weren't really used to that and then nothing until actually kids do have an afternoon tea they have what they call le quatre which is the four o'clock and if it's three o'clock and your kids are grizzling guess what they get that very famous french parenting word which is attend which is wait which is a really key thing that actually from a very young age children learn how to wait and how to realize it's okay to be hungry and actually cravings tend to only last for two to seven minutes anyhow psychologists have shown us so Yeah, learning that it's okay to be hungry and we can get through that and it is not to be totally ravenous but it is good to have a hunger before each meal and it's good to learn to be able to go for periods without food and then to actually sit down and honour the process of eating and then go for a period without food it's good for your digestion it's just, yeah, lots of levels it is and we found it really challenging when we are travelling around France yeah, to to just get our kids into these French routines and rhythms and I'd sort of be trying to sneak them morning (laughs) to 10 o'clock because they were getting a bit crunchy. and then my host mum would see and she'd be like they're not going to eat their lunch well because you've just given them food and I'm sort of like oh gosh you know but actually it just took us a while to get used to and also not having dinner till 7 o'clock French children also get used to sitting through aperitifs and you know long extended dinner parties and things like that and in New Zealand we're typically like oh let's feed the kids early let's keep them happy it's all about working around them and there is merit to that and that's great you know because it does mean that your dinner party might go a whole lot smoother but at the same time <laughs> it is it is incredible really if you can train your children also to learn to wait and that whole idea of instant gratification versus being able to have the ability to wait is a great life skill to actually have when you really think about that so yeah I, I yeah there's an article I wrote on Little Treasures magazine on our trip to France and, and with the girls I'll, I'll send you the link for it because I do Explain that and all the things that I learned that were just so different in the parenting style, especially around food. It was incredible. So, and I'm not saying that New Zealand's got it all wrong france France got it all right. There's definitely things that I take from both cultures. Yeah. And, and you know, I just see the benefits of just looking at life differently, I guess. Mm,
0: it is interesting, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, again, it's about balance, whether mm-hmm. it's with the food or whether we're talking about the cultures and taking the good from both mm-hmm. because my sister is married to a Swiss German man and obviously that, well, they have a child who's obviously from, from a part of both yeah. European and Australian culture. And, but he's been very much brought up more the European way. And he certainly, cause dad's also a GM of a hotel. He is certainly from a very little age sat at a table for four five or six hours as a mini adult um, and I felt sorry for him because um, my kids have been much more antipodean and sort of like, you know, a quick 20 minutes and then certainly not expected to sit up at, a, at a, an adult dinner table. It's funny though because now they're all very capable of doing it and it isn't that I haven't encouraged my kids to sit but I didn't expect it at three and four yeah. and five years of age. Yeah. So I kind of have always felt a bit sad that my nephews had to sort of do that from wow. such a little Tiny age and sort of miss some of those, you know, cheeky moments where he could just be be little. But you know, it hasn't adversely affected him. But nor has it adversely affected mine to sort of not mm. push that quite so much. But I know that um, my two were a little frowned upon for their table manners when they were three and four and yeah. five. Yeah, they they were a little bit. Uh, naughty or cheeky at the table. They certainly weren't the perfect European child, so <laughs> Yeah, and I
1: think yeah, it's you've got to have flexibility and and do what works for your family and what works for the setting that you're in. And yeah. kids do need to play. And actually we learn so much from kids. I'm always astounded by children. Mm. You know, the way that they the way that they eat actually they know to slow down actually as they start getting towards being full. Um, the way that they laugh, the way that they play, the way that they move, the way that children breathe. We as adults we've got a lot we can actually learn from kids.
0: Mm. Because so, mm. we get very conditioned, unfortunately, mm. um, and then try to condition them, I guess. So w- how old are your children?
1: So I've got three girls. Yes. two and five and seven. And yeah. do they jump in the kitchen and give you a hand sometimes? Yeah, do you get they get them do. in there? Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they love cooking. They do a lot of sort of baking with me. Um, they love turning on the blender and all those sort of things, with mm. the ingredients. And they're getting more and more into making up salads and you know, using knife skills things like that, you know, from the age of five, you can get your kids in there, especially with something like chopping up mushrooms or softer vegetables. They really love going and picking herbs from the garden. You know, Even if you don't have very much space, just growing some herbs in some pots or a small garden is a great way. And I remember growing up as a child having a metre square patch of Dad's garden that was mine and, and some for my brother's as well. And so we'd feel so proud as kids eating RPs or, you know, this is Michael's corn we're eating tonight. So it's a great way to encourage your children to have that appreciation of food where it comes from. Mom, they're so much more keen to eat it when they've picked it, you know. Oh, so, totally, yeah. yeah. even when they get to add it, you know, things like, we love having things like um, salad tacos, so just like making a beef bolognese, and I put lots of vegetables and lentils in there, and then serve that with salad leaves as the base, and my kids love that, because they get to choose what they're putting on it, so they have mm. control, so it's like, oh yeah, I'll have a bit of, oh yeah, I'll try some cucumber, and you know, oh, I'm even going to try some chilli, or, you know, just to get them to try things out. So, yeah, if you've got parents listening Yeah, the the best thing you can do to encourage that love of food with your children is just to experiment, get them experimenting, getting them involved in making things and, yeah, just make it a positive experience as much as you can. How about when you
0: were a child? Who did the cooking in your family?
1: My mum. My mum has pretty much always cook dinner and it's always on the table at 6 o'clock and it's one of those things that I love, it's just something you can always rely on when you go to mum mm-hmm. and dad's uh, I do remember as a child one week when mum was away and I think we had beer battered fish every single night that my dad cooked, oh, it's bliss. like his one you know especially, but dad is a great barbecuer and he likes cooking mussels uh, yeah and my, my family, my dad's also a very great hunter so I grew up having a lot of pheasant, goose, venison, duck, uh, mum does a beautiful duck duck breast, like a cassoulet, it's kind of a bean mm, and bacon yum. and duck breast sort of stew, so she's actually very talented at being able to cook all these sort of <laughs> I remember once as a, as a university student I cooked, um, I did a goose stroganoff for my flatmates because we all took one night a week to um, cook dinner and I remember all these people coming up to meet you and saying, you cooked goose? <laughs> 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 so yeah, so yeah, quite quite very but it was very, yeah, kind of mum, I guess quite traditional mum, does a lot of the cooking, dad's the hunter-gatherer <laughs> in my family Did you grow up on a farm? No I we were in the, in Palmerston North, oh, in, in, town. in a yeah, town. But my dad's a vet. who's a vet lecturer at Massey, and um, yeah, so he yeah, and he loves living off the land. He, he grew up off farm, and my husband came off the farm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, wow. So, with regards to niching down with food, what's your sort of philosophy? What's your, you know, with these trends and fads, as I kind of tend to call them and then try not to call them because Mm -hmm. I don't want to offend people, Um, but I've been around for quite a few years, so I've seen quite a few of them, Um, and, you know, in my past, I've had my own issues, you know, I had anorexia for a while, and, you know, I had to come out the other side of that and cope Mm -hmm. with that, and I... Very much for myself, try now not to be obsessed Mm -hmm. by diets or Mm -hmm. fads, you know, whatever you want to call them, because I found that for me, that led to an incredibly unhealthy period of my life, the most unhealthy period of my life. And by being just relaxed about eating what I'm enjoying eating when I'm enjoying Mm -hmm. eating it and being completely balanced about it. Um, That has worked really well for me and for my family. But how about what is your view around all of that? Mm. Because, you know, right now in New Zealand there is a lot of we must be this and we must be that yeah. and we need to eat this way and that way and it seems to be what everyone's talking about.
1: Yeah it is and there's so much advice and information and misinformation out there and and there are quite a lot of what I call fads as well and quite extreme views and a lot of people saying you must cut out this major food group and this major food group and this major food group and if you listen to different people they have really conflicting opinions you know so things that we used to think were healthy like porridge and oats and lentils and, and rice and things like that. I, I'm actually, I read take quite a moderate view and that I think that a key thing we need is variety and you know there's this whole sort of new eating disorder called orthorexia where we're becoming so orthodox in what we're eating some people are trying so hard bless them, you know, to be healthy and actually missing out on vital minerals and nutrients and antioxidants that they they actually need because they're eating such a restricted diet. So, you know, obviously we've gone from having this era, uh, which started way back in the 60s of let's eat more low-fat food, the first two words being eat more, that was the the nutritional guidelines that were brought out in the States. So eat more low-fat food was kind of the catch cry, and so that's what we've been doing, and we've been getting sicker and bigger and more unhealthy, and diabetes is on the rise, and it's just heartbreaking. And now we're seeing the shift away from let's be scared of fat to now we've got this huge fear around sugar, which, yes, it's great for us to cut down our processed to refine sugars that we're eating, but I feel like it's also the pendulum swung too far. We're getting to the point of people being scared of having fruit. We're getting to the point of people just, yeah, just being really extremist. And I think we need to come back to a balanced medium where we just focus on eating more real food. Mm. And so that's, you know, and there's different ways to define that, but I see real food as being as close as possible to something that's come out of the ground, off the tree. And as close to its natural form as possible and if we can eat that for 80-90% of what we eat and then when we have our, our treats or our food that just feeds our soul that perhaps isn't as nutritionally beneficial for us we can eat it guilt free because the majority mm. of what we're eating we're getting in our salad every day, we're drinking loads of water we can just enjoy it guilt free, we can slow down and, and really keep it in balance and yeah the psychology side of it is really the biggest thing that I've helped my clients with over the years I guess is things like how to overcome cravings and how to deal with that emotional relationship that we sometimes have with food and how to shift to a positive place. So that's Mm. something I cover a lot in that. As you said, it's not just a cookbook, the book, there's a few recipes at the back, well, there's quite a few, but the whole front half, as you would have seen, is all around that psychology of how to eat. Because honestly, if we can actually eat mindfully, and just focus on having real food, even most of the time, everything else takes care of itself because as you eat more mindfully, you also start to notice the quality of your food. So you want to eat better food as well. And yeah, I think the biggest challenge that people face, though, is that life is really busy. And, you know, it's like, how do I fit it in? How do I afford it? Sometimes people think mm. healthy food is going to be more expensive. And I would say, actually, it can be so much more affordable. Like, even if you, even if you buy takeout, even once a week, if you could... Um, avoid that, which I think the Irish family probably spends maybe $40 to get takeaways for one night, you know. You could actually save that uh, every single week by what I recommend is twice a week, quadruple batch cook your dinner. So cook a dinner for four. Cook something that you can easily cook up in bulk and then freeze three meals. The key is to freeze them and not put them on the table and then sort of serve it up. So set them aside first, freeze them and create yourself a library of meals in your freezer so that you've got that there. So you can actually just cook two nights a week and have all the other nights off cooking, which if you're like me and you're the chief food provider in your house, is like heaven. You're like, oh, two nights a week sounds amazing. So just cook twice a week, quadruple batch cook, create a library of meals in your freezer, and the other nights just defrost different meals. And so that's literally what I do in my home. We, I make a fresh salad every night, and that's something I explain in the book, is just how to throw one together in a few seconds and have a vinaigrette in a jar to make it taste amazing. And then defrost something you've already pre-prepared. It's going to hugely help you with your budget and hugely help you on time. So that's my that's my Niche, I guess, and what's a little bit unique about what I do is I look at how do we practically make it simple and easy for everyday people to just get more real food and and, and how show them where to start because it's so that's confusing. Fantastic. Yeah, it I is confusing,
0: and I think it's fantastic. And I mean, I I loved your tip there, and I think for listeners that is such a good tip that you just said, Lauren. Don't put all the food on the table. Yeah. Put it away first because um, bless my husband, he loves his food. Oh. And he, they'll all eat, everyone will eat, and then he will get up and disappear into the kitchen. I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh gosh. He's gone to help himself from the pots. There's something he's really liked and he's gone in to quietly help himself to some more. So now I actually do exactly what you've just described, which I think is awesome for whoever the food provider is in the home. Cook more and I've gone and bought perfect size containers for the boys for their lunch boxes. Mm -hmm. And I deliberately freeze off three or four or five, you know, however many I've Got um, little boxes straight into the freezer, and that is the lunch for the next couple of days sorted. Perfect. So, whether it's a bolognese sauce or whether it's some leftover curry or some roasted vegetables, it all goes into those little boxes straight into the freezer. And then every morning when I'm doing the lunch box, protein out, mm-hmm. fresh fruit, fresh salad, maybe a piece of home baking, and the lunch is sorted. Yeah, it's and it does. so it's, easy. And
1: it actually makes it as easy as you know, perhaps if you used to rely on the packets, or perhaps if some of your listeners are relying on packets right now, because it is easy, it can. Can be easy. It just takes that little bit of organisation, and our kids' lunchboxes do need protein. You know, that's one of the key things that we're kind of missing, and they need that for their brains, for their body development. And so often if it's kind of mostly a sandwich and some fruit and some other chippies or whatever, it's often quite high in sugar and mm. quite high in just carbohydrates. And it's nothing expensive. With, and expensive, yes. And there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates, as in, you know, it's kind of got this bad rap, we need carbohydrates, you know. But we just do want to have the more wholesome, real forms of them. Uh, so yeah, if you can set it aside, once you get in, the, the great thing is that once you set up that routine and you get in the routine of, of just having your default setting, I often talk about default settings, if your default setting is always to buy in bulk, to cook in bulk and then freeze the other meals before you serve dinner it just makes it so easy Like when mm. and, and my husband and I, we used to be abysmal at this, like when we were first young married couples I can remember we used to think deviled sausages from the packet mix was pretty fancy, you know, and we would be coming home from work, 7 o'clock at night just starting to open the freezer and get out some raw chicken breast and think right, what are we going to cook from scratch now and we'd even buy bulk, um, meat in bulk and then individually portion it to freeze and I don't even do that anymore, I just buy it in bulk I cook it in bulk and I'd much rather freeze a homemade, a ready meal. So fill your freezer with cooked food rather than just raw meat. And it make, and even with a small freezer box, you can actually just stock yourself, set yourself up with some containers, make it really simple for mm. yourself just by creating that little library of meals. And even just things like, yeah, make a pasta sauce. Have it with pasta, have it on pizzas, have it, you know, use it different ways. Or make a bolognese, you can use it in a cottage pie, you can use it a rats. Exactly, you can,
0: exactly. And actually
1: often it's even more delicious the second time when something's I cooked or cooked twice mm-hmm. yeah so oh, I get excited talking about it but as I've had so many clients have just you know said just knowing how to make a, a vinaigrette in a jar it's transformed the way they eat they're having a salad their five year old loves it The teenager loves it everyone's into it isn't it yeah. funny because
0: for you and me it's probably just like it's just so obvious um, and it's so interesting to talk to you uh, and all so many guests and say you just assume everyone has the same knowledge that you have or the same thought process about yeah just chuck mm-hmm. a vinaigrette great together, I yeah. mean
1: it's... But, but I've had to learn it, like honestly, I didn't know anything I, and that's the thing, actually. my mum is a great cook but she did all the cooking, I, didn't yeah. do a lot, I did not a lot of baking as a child, but I didn't do a lot of cooking, so mm. I did really and it was actually living with my host family, my host mum and dad that taught me some of the recipes in the book you know, my host mum's simple baked salmon um, I've learned you know, risotto that cooks itself, how to make these beautiful spice blends with sort of Moroccan style spices and, and now my husband, he's actually the spice king, He's he loves getting everything fresh and you know toasting them off and grinding them up and making these amazing curry blends and things up like there, And it does – that's a little bit of an extension. I don't cover that too much in the book. But um, it's amazing, you know, what, what you can make your home smell like. There's mm. a movie – you know you, do you know the movie The Castle? Yes. The great Australian, Australian. <laughs> Really love that movie. Um, if it didn't have so much profanity, I'd love to show the kids it because we always do the jokes from it at home. Yeah. Um, but a great movie. And one thing they often say is, oh, why would you go out when this keeps coming up night after night? And and it is mm-hmm. like that. So for me, I personally, I you know focus my food spend on buying whole foods, creating home cooked meals i do a lot of DIY picnics, you know, if we're out and about I'll often make food to take with me because yeah, I can same. control the, the nutrient content of it and then we might get something, we to splash out and have a smoothie or something, but we haven't had to pay, you know, an overpriced amount for a dining out for something that's probably going to undernourish us. Mm. And I'd rather save up that spend that we might have spent on takeaways and just go out to a beautiful restaurant once exactly. a month, you know, exactly. rather than have takeaways every week. So it's just a different paradigm and um, if people can get themselves to just slow down for a weekend, set up a library of meals in their freezer, they can start to enjoy that style of lifestyle as well and it is incredible. Food is good it's got to be enjoyed. <laughs> exactly
0: awesome tips Lauren, awesome tips mm. Before I let you go, I've got a few quick fire questions for you Ooh, okay. so they're either or, you're not allowed to think too hard just mm-hmm. first thing that comes to your mind Are you ready? Yes. Okay croissant or brioche? Oh croissant. You can see where I'm coming from mm-hmm. with it. Yes. <laughs> Rice or noodles? Rice Honey or maple syrup? Oh maple syrup mm chamomile or ginger tea Mm, ginger ginger Mm. vinaigrette or aioli vinaigrette crepes or waffles
1: oh crepe yeah
0: creme brulee or creme caramel
1: creme brulee yeah Yeah. woman (laughs) of my heart
0: (laughs) and do you like to what would you choose meditation or a run a run Really? Mhm. Oh, yeah. good girl. Ski mm. or surf? Ski. And do you have a favorite book apart from your own that you've just launched? Do you have a favorite oh. cookbook? Something that's inspirational cookbook.
1: Oh, actually, oh, that's oh, such a hard question because there are so many. The book that actually came to mind first before you said cookbook, if I can jump to it. Mm, uh, of course. Is um, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, which is an amazing book. And it, he shares a lot of scientific studies around just how to positively prime yourself and how that creates your, you know, how your subconscious mind works and how that creates your behavior. So that's what I've been reading recently. Ooh, and cool. really that So Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. I recommend that. And I couldn't cool. choose a cookbook. You can't choose a cookbook. I know. <laughs> do you have lots of cookbooks? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. i only got about 30. Yeah, yeah. It's not too big a collection, but it is, you know.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, do you tend to follow recipes, Lauren, in those mm. cookbooks, or do you use them for inspiration, and then
1: I probably of, use them more for inspiration. Yeah, I hardly me too. Ever cook out of a cookbook, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just like to play with flavors, really, mm. and just try things out. And I like to look at what's what's the produce that I've seen that's in season. You know, it's great to eat seasonally. So. Yeah, when we were living in Wauru for a while, we were getting veggie boxes delivered from Chantal Organics, who were amazing. And we, would, we we're talking about this yesterday, how we would, rather than sort of saying, what's sort the of dinner tonight, Oh, it's chicken. We'd actually focus on structuring the meal around what vegetable we wanted to use up before it went off, because we had this big box of veggies we had to use. So actually structuring your meal around something, going, oh, I've got eggplant this week, or I've got some things I had never used before. Um, yeah, so celeriac and, and things like that. So how am I going to cook with that? So often it's just... Coming up with new ideas around the key ingredients. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: awesome, isn't it? Mm. I actually did that um, when I lived in Jakarta when we were much younger. We used to get um, an organic box delivered to the door, which is hilarious, actually, but we won't go into that. It's a whole nother mm-hmm. story living in Jakarta <laughs> and having that happen. But uh, it was amazing because that's exactly what we used to do. It'd be mm-hmm. like, wow, okay. What can we do with this? And often I would be completely unidentified and I'd have to ask one of the local helpers, yeah. you know, is that something that you can eat raw or yes. do I need to cook that? that out, roast it. Everything's roast yeah, roasted. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or in, or in Indonesia, yeah. it was always in the wok. Just yeah. chuck it in the wok and, and heat it up and turn it into a stir fry. But what a great way to educate yourself about lots of different ingredients as well, rather yeah. than always buying the same thing, which, you know, tends to happen, doesn't yeah. it? So. Yeah. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got a race because you've got a huge day of recording. And stuff, which is very exciting, and best wishes for your cookbook continued launch for the next month.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Vanessa. It's been a pleasure. Yeah,
0: me too. See you.